Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. Jay, I love your shirt. Hey, I've never seen one of these before. Uh, my business partner, Jeff Moscow, found it and sent it to me. I don't know if you can see this. I've never seen a colored uh, cheap trick shirt before. It's probably a bootleg. I don't care. I love the band. I love the logo. I was, uh, you know, my first thought was, hmm, it's like cheap trick celebrating pride. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's cool. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. You and I both love that band. Yeah, I do. I love them. Talk so, about a band so that's much. put in the time. They, they, and that's something we're going to talk about later. But yes, <laughs> there you cheap, go. Cheap Trick <laughs> is one of those bands that, you know, yeah. you could sit here countless times and go, they should have thrown the towel in. Then, 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 then there's, there's a band that's hit so many road blocks, bumps in the road, hurdles that would have derailed so many other less committed oh, yeah. artists. Yeah. Yet they just keep going and it's and just they're like still great live they, they still record freaking love music. what they do love them love love cheap trick yeah i mean if nothing else again they're just an inspiration for persistence don't ever <laughs> give up yeah don't let a failure stop you yeah um before we get into this week's uh great discussion and great guest uh huge shout out and thank you to bruce hypebot and bands Thanks, in town for all your support and of course, to our sponsors, thank you to Banzoogle.com, built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Banzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, of course, social media integrations and amazing live tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. We got a little offer that Banzoogle put together for all of our listeners. Head over to Banzoogle.com, sign up, try it for free for 30 days. And when you check out, use the promo code, this is all one word, Music Biz Weekly, and you will save 15% off the first year of any subscription. And of course, DiscMakers.com, we know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musicians. Digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like CDs, vinyl, T-shirts, online and at gigs has become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig or online, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. It's a lot of streams and that's a lot of marketing to get those streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. So head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code, again, all one word, free biz, and you will save up to $150 in shipping costs. So, Jay, who's the amazing guest we got this week? We had such a great 
great conversation today with John Frank. Uh, John Frank is the Executive Vice President of Digital Commerce and Label Services at ADA, and he'll explain what that means. But we could have easily talked for a couple more hours, and uh, we'll, we'll need to continue this conversation. But uh, strap yourselves in. This is a, a lot of great information. It's a must, it's a must listen for yeah. every musician out there first time brand new yeah. to old school you've been in this business for 50 years you should all listen to this build a stunning band website in minutes with bandzoogle go to bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code musicbizweekly to get 15 percent off the first year of any subscription today we're joined by john frank who's the evp of digital commerce and label services at ada john thanks for joining us this morning how you doing man Thanks for having me. It's great to be here and uh, chatting with you guys today. Are you coming from uh, New York? I am coming from New York, and today is actually my first day back in the office on my lunch break, looking out at the Manhattan sky. Beautiful. So, I'm happy to pass so they, my they've lunch let break you back you in the office already. <laughs> How quickly are they going to be sending everybody home? <laughs> Well, you know, we, we have the option of going in four days a week, uh, New York, LA, Nashville at the moment. And uh, we're here and, you know, seeing some of the people on my team and, you know, seeing what's up. And it's nice to walk the Manhattan streets for a little bit and yeah, uh, I bet. while we can. Yeah. Well, John, tell, uh, for those that don't know, you work for ADA. What what is ADA compared to, say, the parent company Warner Music Group has, you know, WIA? What, what is ADA all about? So ADA stands for Alternative Distribution Alliance. The company's been around for 25 plus years at this point. We are the independent distribution arm of the Warner Music Group. Um, we are... Um, our focus is on independent labels, independent artists. We are not dissimilar from some of our competitors who happen to be Virgin Music and The Orchard and InGrooves and places like that. Um, we're a global company with 150 plus employees around the world. Uh, and the company is staffed with diehard music fans who are also, uh, you know, digital and commerce and marketing specialists. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it in a, in a quick nutshell. John, well, John, in, you know, in this day and age when, frankly, anybody could be a record label. How do you guys define an independent record label? What, what, where do you sit here and go, okay, you guys are no longer an independent label. You're kind of a, a big label now. I mean, where do you draw that line? That's a great question, actually, because labels come in all shapes and sizes, right? And so ultimately, when the barrier of entry disappeared into putting music out. It's kind, of, it's kind of the big equalizer, right? For years and years, the major labels owned its, the distribution pipelines, mm -hmm. and it was literally impossible to be a quote-unquote fully independent artist because you were reliant on some form of getting a compact disc, piece of vinyl, a cassette, a track, whatever it may be, into an actual record store. So as, uh, as, as terrible as the Napster years were for the record business and the 17 years of erosion that came with it. Uh, when we came out of that era, it created tremendous new opportunity for independent labels to put music out and, and be born, so to speak, because the barrier of entry had, uh, had gotten more manageable. 
so to speak, right? So I would say that in the last um, six to seven years, the explosion of independent labels, uh, I feel like there's more independent labels than ever before because anyone can do it now. Anybody can really do it out of their bedroom, out of their mom's basement, whatever, whatever that may be. In terms of trying to define the differences in sizes and what's, what constitutes an independent label in today's marketplace, that's a bit of a more complicated answer uh, to, to, to answer because ADA distributes some, some huge labels such as BMG who view themselves as being independent. We also distribute small, small independent labels that have you know, staffs of under 10 people. Um, the, 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 the clinical definition of that, I, I, I would say, is uh, there are many different definitions around it, right? And ultimately, uh, those labels have different levels of how they are funded and where that money comes from and such. And they are, and again, I'm just giving the, base, the baseline definition, those labels are not funded by major conglomerates. They're funded independently by themselves, whether they raise their own money themselves through venture capital, right. put in their own money, raise their own money, whatever that may be. So that is what we view as the independent spirit, so to speak. Yeah. Um, do some independent labels have their kind of their unfair share and advantage because they get, it's easier for them to get money, of course, but like, like anything in the world, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's different levels on the, yeah. um, on the ladder. So yeah. That, you know, I had the pleasure of working with the ADA team for about five years. Of course, that was almost seven, eight years ago. Yep. Back then, there were artists like Macklemore and there were labels like Sub Pop, Merge, Beggars. It was a, a powerhouse, but everything evolves. What, what's going on with ADA now? What kind of artists and labels are you dealing with now? So we've got incredible labels and incredible direct signings as well. You know, BMG is is our biggest label. Um, there are uh, a global behemoth with, with yeah. you know a number of incredible artists. There are you know bit smaller labels as well. There's a, a label called Sumerian um, that we love. There's the you know Polyvinyl is with us. Partisan Records. There's a number of of you know, there's like an embarrassment of riches in terms of the quality of, of artists that we get to work with. And it's truly an honor to get to just play a, a very, very small part in the development and life cycle of these artists. It, it just, we're, we're all incredibly fortunate um, in that regard. So ADA continues to distribute a uh, hundred plus partners ar around the world. Wow. Um, we've also expanded into other territories um, in the last few months, including Latin America, where we've, um, you know, we've hired a number of people and, and signed a bunch of stuff in Southeast Asia. We've expanded recently into Italy and, uh, and also into France. So that, that continues to, to grow. We also have um, artists that are signed directly to ADA. Um, and some of those are, are incredible. We have an artist named Ghost Maine. Who is, uh, who is signed here, who is this uh, really in interesting uh, rock, industrial, kind of hip hop, hybrid, very unique new artist that we, that we love. Uh, we recently signed Papa Roach to ADA, who just released the first song from this new uh, cycle that we've all just embarked on. Um, and there's another, you know, bunch of great stuff in the hopper. So we're we're always looking for, we're always looking to partner 
with great artists and uh, and great managers and, and and really find opportunities that we can we can help amplify um, across the organization. So so John, when when an artist or a, an independent label approaches you, what are you looking for? What makes you go, okay, we want to have that next conversation, go to the next step? I mean, do you sort of internally have a, a short bullet point list of, all right, do they meet this requirement, this, 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 or is it all sort of a case-by-case -case basis? It's relative and it's case-by-case -case basis. I mean, the we believe that we should be partnering with labels that, so let me start again, actually. There are different buckets, of course, that you look at. There, there are the, the obvious ones, which are, which are the financial opportunity, but the other opportunities too are like, what are, who are the creatives behind those companies, especially with a bunch of companies being born today? Do the creatives behind those companies have the ability to sign great artists that over time can grow that we can dive into and amplify alongside them or, or with them, right? Those are the types of things that make us get up in the morning and that make us really excited to be uh, in the business. Um, other ones we look at is, you know, strategic signings. And uh, we have a number of smaller labels that are just absolutely incredible. They're not, some of them are not household names, but they have incredible artists and those artists, uh, are artists that other artists want to be associated with so that there's, there's also that bucket as well. Um, but I would say it's, it's a variety of factors. Um, and also there is the, the thing we can never forget is do we as an organization and as a company, do we feel we are best suited to do a great job with this partner? Do we know how to market it? Do we know how to help bring it to the marketplace? Can we, can we advise them in the right way to, uh, to amplify what they're trying to do? So that factor definitely weighs in. Um, the thing about this company, and I've been here now, I'm starting my third year, is that it is staffed with diehard music fans. Yeah. And the, 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 the fans are not married, the fans is the wrong word. The, our staff is not married to one genre of music. We, we love all genres of music. Would I say there's things that we're, 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 we're better at than others? Of course, because every, every company has that, you know, but I think it's really, really important that there is passion in the building for things that we are bringing in and that we feel we are, we are best suited to, to run through a brick wall for that, for that said partner. Yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to marketing today, one of the challenges is everybody's kind of looking for that silver bullet. You know, it used to be maybe uh, some kind of great sink or some kind of uh, TV appearance or radio program. Magazine or cover. Or, yeah, those or, things. The, you and know, now, the, old, the old rolling, I got to have the Rolling Stone that's review. Right. Or I got to be on Oprah or whatever. Sure. And now it's, you know, we always say a playlist is not a marketing plan. Tell us how you kind of navigate that when you're having conversations with people to have a more holistic view of a marketing plan and not maybe a myopic one where it's a short-term goal of being on some playlist. So that's a great question. There, there was a quote a few years ago from Julie Greenwald from Atlantic. Yes. And I often refer to it because it's a brilliant quote in its simplicity. She said a few years ago, a streaming started to explode. 
But back in the day, if you had the right artist, the right song, the right moment, you could check five boxes, six boxes, which were get them on late night television, get them on the radio, get a few good press hits, get, uh, get them on tour. Yeah. Right. Um, and also obviously there's all, you need all the luck in the world because breaking your artist is impossible. It's very, very challenging in any era. It's never been more challenging That's right. than it is now. Um, but if all those things succeeded, you could, you were getting somewhere and you could even get a gold record out of that, of one song, right? What, what changed in the, in the, the streaming era, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm taking a quote and condensing it, but what changed mm-hmm. in, in the streaming era is that you, you now have to do a hundred things to get people to pay attention. And it doesn't mean that in the attention economy, anyone's going to do anything. Right. Once you once you put it in, in, in <laughs> front of them. And so we talk about a business now where we, do, we, we look at these incredulous number of tracks that are being ingested, you know, every day to DSPs. I think the Crazy. latest quote from Spotify was 60,000 tracks a day, up from 40,000 a day or, or whatnot, right? How do you cut through that clutter and how do you get any of that to stand up and get people to pay attention? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a couple things. One is there was a bit of a misnomer in the erosion years of the business that labels really didn't have very much value and you know anyone can do it. And, 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 and oftentimes the things that get cited are lightning in a bottle, whether mm-hmm. they are Chance the Rapper or a jam band group who graduated from playing clubs to playing the garden and red rocks or whatever that may be but those things are so few and far in between so in a business where the the failure rate is 92 plus percent how do you get things to cut through the clutter so first and foremost when we talk about marketing plans every artist is different Uh, finding the most important thing is how do you find your audience who is your audience clearly clearly defining yeah. who that audience is from the word go. You cannot, the, the days of carpet bombing things are long past us, right? So if there is a marketing bell curve, where is the bullseye on the market, marketing bell curve? And how do you find that bullseye in the bell curve? So if you're starting something from scratch, you know, and again, this, is, this, is a, this in itself can be a whole podcast, right? But if you're starting <laughs> something from scratch, you, everything starts with digital. You have to build an audience. You build an audience with socials. You have to create a community with socials. That's really difficult, right? The concept yeah. of you can pay an influencer a bunch of money. Things will explode out of a cannon on TikTok. If, if TikTok breaks 100 artists a year and the business is ingesting 40,000 tracks a day, that's really bad math. So let's yeah. put that to the, to the side for a quick second, right? You build community on socials and that has to be real and it has to be sticky and it cannot be promotional. And what I mean by that is I see a lot of artists that start Instagram accounts and less so to Facebook, but depending on the age of the demo, the demo, and they're just constantly promoting and selling to an audience. Audiences don't want to be promoted and sold to. They want to be, they want storytelling. They want to, they, they, they want a tactile relationship with the artist. And some artists are really good at this. Some of them are not good at this and need help, 
right? Um, rap yeah. music in particular has done something rock music has failed to do for years and years now, especially in the streaming age. It has embraced technology. It has run towards it like a, like a sprint. So anytime there's new technology, whether it, it was going back to MySpace, MySpace, Vine, Twitter, you can name all these things. I worked with a number of rap groups like, yeah, bring me that. I want to be there because it's a new way for me to communicate with an audience, build a brand, uh, share my music, all those kinds of things, right? And in a way, even though hip hop has been enormous for years and years, all those things as an aggregate, along with putting out free mixtapes on stuff, created, in my humble opinion, part of the explosion that's happened out of hip hop because, because of the technology lean in, right? Which is marketing. So if you talk about peeling, peeling the onion back, you, everything starts with digital. Uh, artists have to be visible depending on what kind of artist it is. If they ideally can play instruments or play, they, they need to be visible in their marketplace. They need to play out. They need to build an audience brick by brick, right? The other thing too, which has dramatically changed is the cadence with which music comes out. The, 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 the concept and idea of you put out an album every three to four years, you tour it for 18 months. Those things work for Metallica and they work for U2 and, and, and those kinds of legacy biggest artists in the world because they've gotten to a point in their career where they can do that and, and their, their, their audience expects those things. If you're a developing act, you have to put out a consistent stream of music and you've got to do it on a regular basis. I, we recommend if, you know, if to, every six to eight weeks, you need to come with something. That music needs to be accompanied by a visual, whether it is an official video, a visualizer, a lyric video, the visual should come day and date with the song coming out. Then you market around those things. You embrace technology. You put digital media spends behind it to let people know that it exists. And minimally, every time you put out a song, there should be, uh, in, in our opinion, at least five things that surround it. There should be an official video. There should be a visualizer, a lyric video, there should be what we refer to as shoulder content, which is B-roll, making of a video, making of a song, and in conversation piece, those are, those are moving visual buckets. Along with that, there should be other static images that come out. There should be, um, there should, there should be a, 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 stream, a stream of information that is fluid and consistent that is being shared with the base that you're, you're trying to develop or that you've created for yourself. The, the, mista the, the mistake I see over and over with alternative and rock acts is that they, they try to have one big moment and then the moment's gone. And they, I still see a lot of acts having, uh, you know, super, super long lead pre-orders, but nothing happens during the pre-order period. They just have things out there for three months, four months. They put out a couple of songs, they go quiet and nothing. 
And in the meantime, they're not engaging their audience in tactile conversation. They're mm-hmm. selling to their audience. You know, don't forget to get our pre-order. Here's a t-shirt drop. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, we're selling VIP packages for tours and all that kind of stuff. And the truth is um, that that is that is legacy marketing. And, 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 and the way people, people don't want to be sold to in, in that way, of course, there's uh, exceptions to that rule, including the band whose plaques sit behind you, Michael, where every day yep. I get it, you know, I get a new email about a new t-shirt drop. I think yesterday it was like the Kiss Germany uh, album <laughs> covers. I'm like, that's kind of cool, right? But um, <laughs> but most most of the the universe doesn't doesn't work that way. And kids live on their phones. Uh, a playlist to them is almost disposable. It's twelve. What we deemed as as being a, a twelve song collection or body of work to them is that's like twenty yeah. minutes. They don't even listen to the whole song. Right. You know what I mean? So it's a very very different way of consuming music so with that the artist and hopefully the the person that's helping the artist whether it's a a friend a manager a label us a distribution company you need to be able to provide them with good advice and best practices as to how to reach an audience and we refer to that as audience development so all the things that I have just spitballed very, very quickly. They're all interconnected, and it's uh, it, it's different for every genre of music, uh, and it's different for every artist. There's 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 not a one size fits all. Um, yeah, John. Yeah. So, it, I mean, what you just talked about, uh, as you said, we could go into this for like three hours. Hours. You know, this podcast has been preaching this for over 10 years, all Mm -hmm. of what you just talked about. And and my question to you is. We're not the only ones that have been preaching that there's countless people in this industry that preach these same basic concepts. Mm -hmm. You know, the fans want to buy you before they buy your product is basically what it comes down to. Yet here we are in 2021 and we're still inundated with countless musicians who don't get it, who hear it, don't follow that advice, um, or, you know, just sit back and go, no, I just need that golden ticket. Where can I spend a thousand dollars to buy some tool that will give me that influencer that'll give me, you know, they still and I'm not saying all artists, but there's still a large chunk. I think we all agree. There's a large chunk of musicians out there that still will have this beaten into them by marketing teams, labels, distributors, managers, booking agents. And you still sit back at the end of the day going, you you did nothing. You still did nothing. I think it's, it's, you make a really good point, Michael. And it's interesting because social media is an instant gratification tool and it is completely changed the way people communicate are validated and set expectations for themselves because if you think about it 
Places like Instagram are highlight reels. Most of what you see on Instagram is just, it, you're, right. you're trying to create the best version of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are an artist that was born into technology, and I'm sure you're referring to artists that are older artists that, that are completely lost the, ma of, the majority of them right. are older, but there's still younger artists that, again, have that attitude. I'm a musician. That's, right. my, that's what I do. I do nothing more than I'm a musician. Right. So, but if you think about this, right, if you are 17 years old, 16 years old, 18 years old, and you're, you're, you've, you've got your first band together, you're, you've got your first songs out, you, the, the whole time you've almost been alive and aware of what is around you, you've been on some mm -hmm. form of social technology, right? And I say this to my kids all the time. They're, there's, there's such an instant validation, dopamine high mm -hmm. that comes Absolutely. with it. That, they, that actually, and I'm not a psychologist, so forgive me, but they, they believe that that carries over to other facets of life, including making it. Right. And, and in, in the era of the uh, television contesting show, right, where you could go on a show, sing a cappella, and then within nine months, you go from zero to 100 and you explode. All, all these things have happened over the last few years. I think a lot of uh, a lot of artists today have no don't have the context and understanding of the work that goes in to become great, right? And, and it's, it's interesting. I often talk about Black Crows are one of my favorite bands, right? And they've been through many different iterations of, of the band. And many, many years ago, I was a music writer when I was in college. And I saw the band open for Law and & Order and Macaulay Schenker in New York at the Ritz. And I thought they were the best rock and roll band I had seen. And I, I couldn't believe how great they were and what an incredible singer Chris Robinson was. And I immediately called the editors of the magazines I worked for and I knew nothing. And I'm like, they're going to be the biggest rock band in America. And then they went out and they opened for junkyard and I, I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget this. Right. They played 350 shows on their first tour. Okay. At the end of that tour, they were a different band. And when they went to make their second record, and they came back on the High as a Moon tour, I couldn't believe they were the same band. They put in the work. They yeah. became one of the best rock and roll bands I had ever seen. But they played 350 shows on their mm -hmm. first tour. That, that concept to up-and-coming artists is unthinkable, right? And, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll leave you guys with this story because I've, I've got to run. But there was an artist that I'm not going to name who I worked with a few years ago, developing rock band, alternative band. They played 30 shows and they played a local show. And the next day the manager called me and said, weren't they, weren't they just amazing? And I said, I don't believe anything they're selling. And he said to me, I don't understand what you mean. And th this is like a young manager who's getting his feet when the business I said, sure, your singer has studied YouTube videos, and I named all the artists. There's a Tom Petty moment. There's a Springsteen moment. There's hold up the guitar thing. Like I know all the reference points, but the way he's selling it is not remotely believable because you haven't done the work. And he said to me, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. 
I said, let me send you some videos and I'll, and I'll, I'll try to better explain. And I sent him, I think it was like a video of the clash doing clamp down where they all go to the front of the mic, they walk back. And of course the whole thing is choreographed, right? But it's real. And but I it said doesn't, to him like, yeah, right. It doesn't come across as just a pure contrived. staged move. Yeah. Completely. It just, you know, if you're in, and I've seen this too, I've seen this in many yeah. bands. You sit in the audience and go, that looks so goddamn cool. Sure. And then you talk to the manager afterwards and they're like, oh yeah, we rehearsed that for three weeks to get it down right. And you're like, but it looked great. It That's exactly natural. it. And I, I was trying to explain that. And, and again, what I'm, what I'm coming back to in a very long circle is you have to do the work. Got to put in the and, time. And, and, and the way socials move and the need for instant validation, instant gratification, instant likes, instant comments is you can bypass a lot of those things and just become a, a rock alternative, hip hop, pop star. It just happens. And the truth is it doesn't. And it's yeah. never been ever, ever, ever harder yeah. than, than it is now to cut through the clutter because of yeah. the 60,000 tracks a day. Yeah. that are being uploaded guys i apologize i, have I know to you go. gotta no, run no, john no problem john, to be john this is awesome great yeah. seeing you man great thanks seeing for you joining us man yeah discmakers.com use code freebiz for ground shipping on cd orders of 100 units or more 150 dollar value fascinating conversation with john oh, yeah. um you know as i said it's stuff that that on this podcast we've been talking about for over 10 years but it felt so refreshing yeah and i don't yeah. i don't know what i don't exactly know how to express it but it felt good hearing it come from john because he was so he knew he knew what he was talking about it wasn't yeah. just spitballing an idea here or there he was this is what you got to do. And this is what it's about. That's this right. Is, you know, that's it, right. Because he does it every day. And that's the difference is, you know, he was talking about artists that are different when they tour their asses off and when they work hard. And you and I have seen countless examples of bands that put in all of those dates and you learn and you get better and better. Well, that's what he does in his job is he deals with these things every day. And I like how eloquent uh, the conversation was and how we didn't need to lead him or coach him on anything. These are all topics that are so important. It's an always on music industry. And it is a challenge with this disposable uh mindset these days it is difficult to rise above the clutter well and i think what's also really important especially when he was at at the end of the discussion there is to everybody's got to remember the the social media online world is not the real world in the sense that yeah. it 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 can be very easy to get that dopamine rush in social media you put that right meme up there and all of a sudden end of the day you've got 500 likes yeah. and thousand comments people are loving you and it makes you feel great and you're like feeling big well that's not the way it is in the real world no. to his point about all of the, the the touring you have to do i mean we've said this before that to some extent what what's missing is bands wanting to cut their teeth Meaning, you know, they put their band together, 
They play their 30 shows, and if they haven't gotten their major record deal after 30 shows, they throw the towel in because, you know, it's it, it's just not going to happen. Well, it's right. like, you know what? You need to actually play 350 shows a year for three years to cut your teeth. Yeah. You know, you've got to, you've got to be in that van with the other people in your, in your band, and you've got to get to know each other and get to hate yeah. each other and make up and break up and make up again. And that's what leads to incredible songs. That's yep. what it leads to the incredible camaraderie and tightness in performances. Absolutely. You know, if, if you've only played 12 shows over the last six months, it's like, no, there's nothing there. You don't, right. you haven't, you have skill, but you just haven't cut your teeth yet. And I think what's missing is people in the industry who've been around long enough are like, oh, I can see it. Yeah, I can see that. That's a choreographed move. You stole that from so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. It's not you. I can tell just by watching you on stage. It's not natural. It wasn't you know when you're seeing the the legitimate genuine article you know when you see it it's like these there's once in a while i'll see a TikTok star that gets a record deal puts out music they've never played a live show ever and it shows when they go to do a performance you can tell and one of the quotes he was alluding to with sylvia roan was and i'm going to paraphrase but she said that you know millions of streams do not a career make yeah. And it's just one aspect. A playlist is not a marketing plan. Social media is not a marketing plan. It's all about brick by brick, growing the audience, engaging with that audience, building your tribe. And then the other part of that that you were just alluding to is you need to have the experience. You need to go out and write songs, write a lot of songs. You need to perform live a lot. Yep. You need to have interviews with people. You need to do a lot of these things over and over. And that's where you get better and better and become who you are. And, and, and mixed into all that, you've got to have failures. Yeah. You've got to write a lot of songs that you look back and go, God, that, and everybody looks back and goes, God, that's an embarrassing song. That song sucks. That show was an absolute bomb. That one week tour was a disaster because you learn, you better, you better be learning from your failures to yeah. go, okay, that's why that happened. I'm not doing that again. Boy, yeah. that, that verse really, I'm standing on stage. And when I hit that verse, the, the audience erupted, but the rest of the song was a dud. Hmm. Maybe I take that verse out and we use it somewhere else. You learn from that sort of stuff. And that's, that's paying your dues. That comes from putting in time. That doesn't come from, I got 100,000 Facebook followers and I got a meme that exploded. That does not make success. No, it doesn't make a career. It's only, it's only a small part of the puzzle. Yeah. And it feels good. But you know, it's not and there's not, and, and listen, there's nothing wrong with it, but you're right. It, it's not a career. You can't put everything into that and go, well, God damn, I've got all of this activity online. Why am I not successful in the real world? You know, gee, maybe it's because you've played six shows as yeah. a band and you've only released four songs. Yeah. And to his point, 
we talk about this all the time. It's an always on music industry. If you're not putting things out every six to eight weeks and you have say six months between releases, you're going to lose your audience. You need to be engaged. You need to have a communication. You need to build that tribe. It's an always on music. industry. Yeah. I was just talking to a client yesterday. I'm like, we were talking about, he's got four or five projects coming up. And I was like, okay, it's real important for us to understand we don't release all five projects at the same time here. That's a big shoot your load and it's over type of an event. We want to spread these out over time because our job is to keep your momentum moving. And that means every four, six weeks, every eight weeks, we come up with a new reason to talk about you. I'm talking about you because you released a single, then I'm talking about you because you released a video, then you released a box set, then you released uh, a new album. That keeps the momentum rolling. It keeps us talking. Keeps you engaged. Every, every yeah. time you talk, basically it gives you a reason to engage with people. And, yeah. and it's important to realize that's not just more reasons to sell. It's more reasons to talk about what you're doing, what's important to you. And oh, by the way, here's the link. But there it's you go. not sell, 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 as, yep. as he mentioned. Yeah, good conversation. Great conversation. We, we need I to get it. him on again. Maybe we'll yep. uh, have a longer conversation. Yeah, next time. you know, it'd be great to see if we could arrange a, a more in-depth discussion. I don't know, a live stream, a webinar type of thing, something. But we'll work be, on that. We'll, we'll, we'll work on it. Um, all right. So before we wrap up, just a quick shout out to uh, all of our sponsors and supporters. Thank you to Hypebot and Bands in Town for all of your support. And of course, our sponsors, DiscMakers.com and Bandzoogle.com. Bandzoogle. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate your support. Sure if you are watching or listening on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Follow us, please, on Spotify so you don't miss another episode. Subscribe on iTunes. Um, we are everywhere you can find podcasts. So just check us out. Leave a comment. If, if we connect with you, we always love hearing from you. We may not respond, but we read everything. Yeah. Um, that's it, everybody. We'll see you next week.